Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of Keeping Up Appearances, the luxury podcast. As you know, usually William Hansen and I would be exploring each and every episode of the hit BBC sitcom Keeping Up Appearances. But once again today, things are slightly different. William and I will be setting sail for our QE2 special episode analysis very soon. But today we're absolutely thrilled to say we're about to get out our most tea-stained chipped mug for Judy Cornwell who Bucketheads, of course, will know as my sister Daisy. Now, she's not the one with a Mercedes or sauna, and there's certainly no room for a pony. Born in 1940 in Hammersmith, London, Judy and her parents soon emigrated to Australia, where her theatrical career began. In Britain, she's appeared on radio and television, programmes such as Birds of a Feather, Dixon of Dock Green, Coronation Street and EastEnders, as well as playing Peggotty in the 2000 adaptation of David Copperfield. She's also the author of several novels as well. But it's as Daisy, wife to the slob that is Onslow, that all of us know her best. She was in all 44 episodes of the BBC sitcom, as well as fronting some special spin-off compilation episodes of the show alongside Geoffrey Hughes back in 1997. There'll certainly be lots to talk about. But before we meet Judy, don't forget, Bucketheads, you are cordially invited to join Jonathan and me for a special live episode candlelight recording of our luxury podcast in London on Wednesday the 22nd of November 2023 at 7 o'clock in the evening, where we will be discussing the 1994 Christmas episode Angel Gabriel Blue. Tickets and more information are both available at luxurypodcast.co.uk. We can't wait to see you there. But now, brace yourself, Jonathan. Here we go. Let's chat to Judy Cornwell. Judy, thank you very much indeed for for coming in to, to talk to us today. Do you remember getting cast as Daisy in Keeping Up Appearances? Do you remember that process? I first spotted Harold Snowed when I was 12 years old, and I'd be sent along to a rep that came in the summer to that area, and my mother sent me and my brother so that we were out of trouble to the matinee, and Harold Snowd was a young actor in it. So that's the first time I saw Harold. Was that how you became cast as Daisy in Keeping no, Appearances? No, because years later, um, Harold was working with um, a series 
and he did a Christmas show. And I had been doing masses of work, leading work and everything. And he wanted me to go into the Christmas show. So I did because I thought it would be fun. And we were so naughty, all of us. We were absolutely naughty and laughing our heads off all the way through this Christmas show. So again, later, when he was coming to do Keeping Up Appearances, he got in touch with my agent and I thought, ooh, I'll go along and see him and meet him. I read the script and I fell about. I thought it was a good idea. And um, so then came the first um, production, just a test to see if the BBC wanted to go ahead with it, with a live audience, right? So we all got together and I knew everybody. I'd worked with them all. But Shirley Stelfox was there and I'd met her through her husband when we'd, I'd been with him in the Royal Shakespeare She, Company. of course, was the original Miss Sister Rose. Mary. Yeah. Yeah, wrote, yes, really. And Mary Miller took over from her on the following episode of series because uh, Shirley wanted to stay with the series she was already with and had, wasn't quite sure about this one. And so she went back and then Rose came in, Mary Miller. And oh, it was, that was lovely. And George Webb was the daddy. He was lovely. And you were saying just before we started recording that George Webb, uh, obviously very elderly then, was brilliant. very athletic. Oh, he was the elderly daddy that could fall over the wall brilliantly, drive on a bicycle in the nude, absolutely brilliantly, and was just a lovely old man. He was a wonderful old actor, brilliant. He could do anything physical at all. We were most impressed by him because I'd be terrified of flying, of flying over a wall. Do you know yes. what I mean? And he was brilliant. And um, then we had the vicar who used to turn up. Our yeah. friend Jeremy. Our friend we Jeremy. We interviewed Jeremy a few weeks ago. And he's a lovely man. He's, still, uh, he's so sweet. And we, we ended up on Pointless together or something. Yes, and, uh, <laughs> yes we saw it. And, and we were both chucked off on the first go. Oh! <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I got my question right. He got his, but it was too long. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, and, uh, so we had a good giggle and a gossip. And then you've got David Griffith who's the Emmet, he lives mainly abroad now and he's been sort of quite ill, actually, but he was the the uh, the brother. Yes. And um, Had you ever worked with Patricia Routledge before? No, but Pat Routledge, because she mainly did mostly theatre, Pat had been with the same agent as I had been and she had wanted a series that I did um, and she didn't get it, I got it. And um, it was getting 18 million every week wow. watching it. And it was top, top things. People still talk about it as well. It was for ABC television. Oh, okay. And we, it was two people who had to um, share a flat because we'd been screwed by the uh, landlord. <laughs> and we were stuck having paid up our money. And he had one bedroom, I had the other bedroom. And it was all very difficult because I had a dog and, and, and it kept running under his bed. And sometimes I'd have to go under his bed to catch it. And he'd brought a woman home and that was difficult and things like wow. that. It was a fabulous series. People still talk about it. But 18 million viewers, every single episode going out. 
So we did series one, series two, and it was it was very very popular. So it was the first time you met Patricia Routledge on on the set of Keeping Up Appearances. Uh, on yes, I met her then, and she told me about that. And uh, but we were the same agent, but she she was at this first tryout thing that we were doing. Um, Poor Pat, she was a bit scared because she hadn't done anything like that before. She'd been mainly theatre. But we all knew what it was like because we'd all done other series and things like that. Well, on that first series, we came to do a bed scene with Onslow and um, we got into the bed and the audience were falling about just watching us get into bed. <laughs> and, and then um, the bed collapsed. <laughs> Our legs went in the air, my knickers were showing everything, and the audience became hysterical. <laughs> they couldn't stop laughing. I was just thought, oh, and we got clambered out, and um, and then we waited while they put the bed together again, and then we got in very carefully, just in case it went again, and did our scene, and the audience was screaming with laughter all the way through. <laughs> so I thought, oh, God. This is one they'll put back in again, you know, yeah. <laughs> the best scene. And, and obviously that first series, it hadn't gone out, so all of the cast weren't aware of whether the audience would like it. No, the yeah, we didn't know, but I mean, the screams of laughter, that. But, and luckily, I had seen Geoffrey Hughes when I'd been working for Granada, and funnily enough, I'd done a play with Clive Owen at Granada as well, so I knew him when we got there. And um, Geoffrey Hughes was in a play in the theatre. It was his first play. And I thought, well, I'll go and see that play and see what it's like. Went and looked at it, and it was his first play, and I thought he was very funny. So when I saw him, and he, we were going to be playing together, I was all happy about that and chose yes. him. I, I must ask you, when you were cast as Daisy, you know, Daisy is the... The, the wife of Slobby Onslow. I mean, you're obviously so beautifully spoken. You're nothing like Daisy. Were you were you uh, happy to be asked to play the part of this kind of slobby woman who spends all day yes, sitting there was, eating crisps? It was a nice change, actually, because I'd done so many different ones. And, I mean, I'd done one two-hander with Donald Pleasance, which won the Emmy Award. <coughs> and... Um, I was filming in Malta. He was filming in North America. And our producer had to go and collect the Emmy. And he was so excited. He bought a new suit and everything, thinking it was got to look good. And when he got there, um, <laughs> it was cancelled. He had to put go in and collect the Emmy from a little sort of ordinary room because it was Martin Luther King had just been assassinated and everybody was yelling and shouting in the streets and everything. Ah. But still, it was an Emmy. You know, yes, an Emmy is an Emmy. Yeah, we heard. I heard some people turned up at Malta, journalists and things. Anyway, uh, so Joe Tewson and I had worked together, oh, lots of times in the West End, on television and everything, and I knew her very well, so it was lovely seeing her again. And Geoffrey Hughes, I've talked to you about, and uh, Clive Swift, had you worked with him before? Clive Swift, yes, in Granada. We'd done a play together. So I knew just about everybody. And obviously you were 
all, most of your scene, in fact, all of your scenes were basically with Jeffrey Hughes. Jeffrey Hughes, oh, we used to laugh and things. And he used to love boats and things and going off and playing with boats. There's, there's some lovely outtakes that are still around on, on YouTube and things like that. And it's very clear that you and Jeffrey had an absolute hoot recording it. Oh, we had so much fun. We had so much, and with Mary too. I mean, Mary, <laughs> I can remember at the end of the series, um, Mary saying, you could go and do a pantomime, Judy. And I said, yeah, well, I like to stay at home for good. Uh, oh, well, all right, I'll take that pantomime. And she had just done a pantomime. <laughs> and she was a beautiful singer. And she'd hit a high note, and one of her teeth had flown out and hit one of the musicians. <laughs> and, you know, this is when Joe and Mary and I used to get together... And we used to go to this, um, before each series started again, we used to gossip in a restaurant, spoil ourselves, fall about, and then get ready for the next series. But we all got on so well together. And Joe Tucson used to come down a lot to Brighton to see us and everything. And I found out that um, Harold Snow's birthday was the same birthday as my husband. Oh. So we used to celebrate birthdays together. Lovely. Uh, either go to his place or come down to my place. And it was, it was lovely. The, uh, the cast, and we heard when we spoke to Jeremy Gittins, he was also saying that the cast got on very, very well. Oh, um, yes. In Harold Snowd's book, I don't know if you... Have you read it? I haven't read it. It's fascinating. But what's quite interesting is you very much get the impression that everybody in the cast got on really well... But Patricia Routledge was always a little bit of an outsider. She didn't want to be quite as sociable as the rest of the cast. Would you say that's fair or not? I would say she had the most to do. And she had the most lines to learn. Which is why you often got called in on a Saturday. And we used to love it because we'd whiz through our rehearsals. And um, not get called in on a Saturday. Go and do something else, you know. And... um, but, no, she had far too more to do than we did. And I admired her for learning it all, actually, and being up to date. Whereas a lot of us was, um, we put it all together, a lot of it ourselves, you know, we would suggest this and suggest that. I think he probably found it very easy to work with us because we were so much in our characters that we just used to have such a lot of fun, actually. And when you uh, got the scripts especially the initial scripts when the series started, how much was there on the page for Daisy and the other characters? Did you create stuff yourself, fill in the gaps of the backstory? We filled in a lot of gaps uh, because we got ideas. And what was lovely about Harold as a director, who's wonderful, um, he would listen to your ideas, which is lovely. It was none of that sort of pompous, push-you-around directors. Luckily, I have not worked with many of them. And the ones I have, I've told to, you know, shove it. And, 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 and uh, but um, the, what is lovely is you could talk to Harold about anything. And it was lovely. And she was marvellous because Harold helped her so much. And he, she was brilliant. But then she could learn lines brilliantly. She'd always done theatre a lot. And we used to gossip so much all of us we had to be told to keep quiet and everything and but the bbc was lovely to work in then you could park 
there. You could go up to a really nice restaurant. It was all so lovely. And um, we were always, oh, oh, jabber, jabber, jabber. I mean, we, we were told to keep quiet. But she and Clive had the most to do. In the Harold Snow book as well, what's very clear throughout the whole book is the tension between him and Roy Clark. He makes it very clear that they didn't get on at all um, and didn't speak very much, actually. The, the script would come and Harold would sometimes have to change it because he found parts of it to be a bit silly. Um, and that's very... It's very interesting that, that, that there was that creative tension. Did you and the rest of the cast ever pick up on that? Did you not? Because yeah. Jeremy Gittins was saying he never even met Roy Clark. No. I mean, I, I, he never turned up. I mean, but Harold was so wonderful as a director because anything we had didn't like or something and thought that was a bit, you know. So we just um, would change it. And he was uh, with our characters, you see, mm. and we stayed with our characters and everything that went with it. We just worked towards it. And that's what was so lovely about Onzo and Daisy and Mary. I mean, we got up to so many things. Oh, God. We used to play tricks on each other and things. It was, oh, so naughty. Who would you say, out of the, the two actresses that played my sister Rose... Who did you enjoy working with the most? Mary. Yeah? I loved Mary. And we used to meet up. I mean, oh. I, she was a lovely girl. She'd, she'd done so many things that I had done, the sort of pantomime thing, the variety stuff. Well, I had done all that and the heavy stuff as well. And we used to have lovely giggles. We, we, she used to make me laugh. I would get the giggles when she was climbing up a ladder or anything like that. And, and, and she the had short to do skirt things on. like that, short skirts. Yeah. And so you could see your knickers and things like that. And and we were so naughty. It, it was it was lovely. And Onso was naughty as well. He was lovely and naughty. In fact, we were three of the very naughty ones. And and it was fun. And we had great fun doing everything like that, all that sort of dressing up to try and Get a man. Do you remember to make him when? Jealous. Do you remember when you come into the bedroom and do a strip tease for Onzo? Because oh, what about that? Oh, it was so funny because I thought, oh my god, what am I doing here? And 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 he had no interest whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd got proper knickers on, beautiful knickers and bras and showing my boobs and all the rest of it, and and doing everything to shake them and everything, and I. I could have been a stripper or something there. <laughs> I was wobbling away around there, and all he could think of was his bacon sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought, oh, what a man. I thought, I'm glad I'm married to somebody else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what would you say uh, was your most memorable scene in Keeping Up Appearances? Is, is oh. there a particularly funny moment you loved recording? I think getting into the bed was always... Slightly worrying in case it collapsed. That was the only thing that ever worried me about getting into the bed. Because I assume it wasn't a proper bed. It was just no, a it was set. All put together, so, yeah. you know. On those lines, um, I don't know if you're aware that Keeping Up Appearances has a huge gay fan base. Oh, I'm sure they do. Why do you think that is? What is it that gay men in particular love about Keeping Up Appearances? Oh, I would think... Um, I think they love Mary and Daisy... Daisy and Rose, and the, and 
um, Onslow probably for not bothering to sleep with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I should think um, any fellow who who actually is double uh, um, might think, oh, I'd rather not be with my wife tonight. I'm going off. Boom. And and also, I think um, I think a lot of people could identify with hardship with money, rent, all those sort of things, especially today, mm. uh, all over the world, because they're all in trouble financially and everything. And I think um, they probably could identify with all the family problems. There's always one in the family that's a snob. I mean, I had a grandfather who was a bloody snob. <laughs> and, um, oh, God. In, in what way? Oh. And uh, and they said, "Oh, Judy, would you go down and see him in his home?" I said, "No." <laughs> and, uh, and that's Leave it. Him there. <laughs> you can stay there. And that's it. <laughs> we were talking a little earlier about um, your favourite scene. Can I tell you my one of my favourite Daisy scenes? Yeah. Uh, it's the moment where we get a rare glimpse of the squalor that is Daisy's kitchen. Do you remember? I think it's, is it when you're getting ready to go to the christening and you're there, Hyacinth has arrived and you take her into your horrible kitchen <laughs> and then you start polishing one of your shoes with a tea towel. Oh. And it's so, the scene is just so, and the Hyacinth's face when she sees you using this tea <laughs> towel to clean your shoes, it's just horrifying. But for me, that's just a wonderful Daisy moment. But I think a lot of moments like that go on today. Probably, mm. yes. I would think so, when people are shoved into smaller flats and things like that, or uh, hard up a bit, and it costs money to do washing these days, and it costs money to do things. Everything costs money. And if you haven't got any money in, because Onslow's pissing about watching racist <laughs> or losing it on the, on the racetrack, um, it, people will identify... I think, with a lot of keeping up appearances, all the different families. You'll have the snobs who love uh, Hyacinth and all the difficulties there. You'll have the people who are going through all the different things that we're going through and Rose are going through, looking for a fella and all that sort of thing. And I think it's identification because they can say, oh, yes, remember when you, blah, 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 you did that? And, and I think it... It's something they can identify with, not only here, but all over the world, because the whole world at the moment is going through problems of financial problems. We have uh, a lot of listeners to our podcast um, in the same way that you have viewers to your program uh, from all over the world. They love Keeping Up Appearances. And when we told them that we were going to be interviewing you, they were so thrilled. And they've, they've been suggesting all kinds of, of questions to put uh, to One of the questions on the subject of the kitchen, yeah. people want to know, what's your real kitchen like? Is it like Daisy's? My real kitchen? <laughs> Luckily, I have a husband who's a bloody good cook. Ah, <laughs> <good>. <laughs> and because I fell over and doing the garden... And broke my wrist. And oh. So for the last ages, while I've been having all my treatment, he's been doing all the cooking. And he's wonderful. And he's wonderful. And he watches all the cooking shows. Oh, good. That's nice. <laughs> so, I mean, but he's marvellous. And a few people asked, did the 
did the Onslow and Daisy set, the bedroom, the, the lounge, the kitchen, did it smell as bad as it looked? Depends <laughs> 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 if it was hot, mm. hot weather or not. And um, uh, it, it usually, these places are clean, actually. BBC's very clean. Yeah. And uh, what you do is you always have um, your dressing rooms and things and clean rooms. And uh, and the loos are always good. That's very important. You know, quite often in the scenes that you appeared in, yeah. um, Hyacinth had phoned the house. And often my sister Rose would answer the phone or you would answer the phone. Who was on the end of that phone when you recorded your scenes? Was there anyone there? Or oh, it had been a recording of her or somebody would have been saying it, yes. Oh, so somebody was on the other end of the on line the saying the lines. On the other end of the line, yeah, yeah. So we would know it, yes. And, um, oh, yes, we always got panicked when Hyacinth was going to come round. Yes. That was then a quick clear-up, move the socks from the sofa, move move all the bits and pieces and the knickers and things and everything. And um, it was even worse when she was going upstairs because then the bedrooms were all in a state and everything. And um, I think uh, Rose and Daisy tried very hard to um, clean up to make sure Hyacinth didn't snarl. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think uh, I think the person who had the worst time um, with Hyacinth was Joe Tucson mm. and uh, with David Griffin yes. because um, they got caught with all those coffees and things and, and cups and things. And, but, oh, dear. No, I think we had a lot of chipped cups Yes. And a lot of um, chipped things because of dropping them. Yeah, and a lot of extras. And Hansa was always dropping things and everything. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, but it, it, was, um, it was lovely, actually. And we'll be back with more from Judy Cornwell after these messages. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. We went recently to do a tour of all of the various uh, places that you used to go and film. So we went up to Coventry and we went to the house that was Onslow and Daisy's house. Oh, yes. And we got chatting. Uh, a lady came out of the house next door to Onslow Next door, Daisy's. yes. And she, I would say, would you say she was in her f- late 30s and yes. 40s now? I'd say late. She was child late and late 30s. She... You, it's her mum and dad's house that you used as Onslow and Daisy's house and she came out and she was a child growing up and she remembered what it was like with you all there um, and she had so many happy memories. What what was it like filming in that neighbourhood? Oh, it was lovely because they would all say hello and everything and, and people would come up and have a little look and make sure they were out of sight. And um, 
but it was the children I loved because four o'clock they knew if they got there in time they could get a free cake <laughs> and it was all right and I was making sure that I didn't eat too many cakes and things or anything like that so that they had some and um, but they used to come along and watch and they were very good and and different people used to love to come and see and um I think it made them all feel quite good. The broken down car in the front, they probably thought, oh, my car's not like that. And, and, and all our dreadful behavior uh, probably thinks, you know, well, at least we're doing this, and yes. we're doing that, and we're <laughs> doing that. And I think probably the reason why it is so popular at the moment is because loads of people are being careful how many times they put the washing machine on how many times they have a bath, water plies, water charges, all these charges that are being put out, and the COVID thing that we've all gone through, where we all had to wear masks and things and all that stuff. And, I mean, they've all had to go through all this. And I think keeping up appearances makes them remember that, well, other people go through it as well. Everybody's yeah. going through it. And it makes them feel better, I think. And can we talk about what the actual process of filming Keeping Up Appearances? I believe you would do all of the location shots for oh, the yeah. entire series yes. all in one go. Oh, we sometimes went to posh ones. We had a wonderful time on the Kiwi 2. Oh, it was wonderful. And Hyacinth was cross because I was we were on the captain's table. Yes. <laughs> well, while we were there, and we made friends with the people in the Kiwi 2, and because I'm a writer as well, and John's a journalist too. Uh, he said to us, you wouldn't like to come on here and give talks, would you? I said, can I sell my books on here? Yes. <laughs> and he said, yes. So we used to go back after we'd done the Keeping Up appearances and we would do talks and we had these wonderful holidays. Mm -hmm. We went all over. We went to China, we went to Australia, we went to everywhere, all over the place and doing our talks and uh, my books and everything and it was lovely so um that was a really good benefit i had which i don't think um i don't think my big sister would have liked no no i don't no i don't think so in talking about those books, obviously Daisy as a character was always seen in bed reading a romantic novel because obviously her... Wiggling your legs together yeah. under the covers. <laughs> Are your books the sort of books that Daisy would have been reading as a character? Um, I think she'd read the autobiography. Yeah. Oh, is that, that raunchy? Goes... <laughs> the book is called Adventures of a Jelly Baby. And the reason is because my father was in the RAF came to London for a free weekend when he was training over here and um, had an affair with my mother and the jelly um, contraceptive didn't work. So I came along and he was pleased to have something left in case he blew up in the sky and she was happy to be married to him. So they got married. So that is the beginning of my life. So that's why I called it Adventures of a Jelly Baby. Oh, I love that. Do you yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah, it's marvelous. And it starts, and because my memory started at the age of about two when we were traveling around different RAF camps. And 
and it went on right past keeping up appearances, <clears throat> right into my 70s and all the other things. And, and then suddenly you hit your 80s and a little bit slips off and you think, no, who was I working with then? And, and who's that head? And suddenly I had to go, I was so glad I'd written my autobiography because I'd put it all in there. Everybody's in there. And so I could go back and look up and not embarrass myself if somebody asked me about something. <laughs> <laughs> and I could see what it was. That's great. And are you still in touch with any of the cast or crew from Keeping Up Appearances? Um, I know some of them. Most of them are dead. Yes. And or in a home. I think Vicar... Postman and I are the only ones who run into each other yeah. anywhere. Um, everybody else has gone except the vicar. Oh, it was funny when we got together in Pointless. I mean, it was so funny. He answered a real question that got, oh, sixties and pushed us straight out of the show. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a character, isn't he? But he's the, lovely, actually. We, we were so lucky because you made five wonderful series. Six. Well, five and then some specials. Oh, that's right, yes. Oh, extra specials. Yeah, yeah. But then, of course, it came to an end. Do you remember how you felt when they said, that's it, we're not making any more? I think it was mainly Pat because she'd been... She knew I'd just done a Miss Marple and everything. And she suddenly said, oh, I'd like to do something like that. I said, well, why don't you try and I think she wanted a change. And I think that was the beginning of it. She wanted to go and do something more. Because, because she hadn't done television, you see, before working with all of us. And she knew I was going all over the place, working on different shows. And um, she, I think she wanted a change away from uh, her character in Keeping yeah. Up Appearances. And were you disappointed? Well, I had other things to do, actually. I was on films and things. Because there was talk, wasn't there, of a potential spin-off with Onslow and Daisy, and it never really came about, did it? I don't know what happened there. Oh, I know he was going to go down to Jersey with his boats and things, and his wife was going to be breeding, um, breeding some animal rather down there. And I think he just... I think, you know, I went back to theatre... And television and everything. I, Just I drifted apart. We, we went back on to different shows and things. Some of our fans, um, well, really some of your fans around the world, have asked some questions that they wanted us to put to you. Do you mind if we do a little quick fire round with some, I don't mind, with some no. of these questions? So uh, Christian Amy asked, what was the funniest off-camera moment you can remember? The bed collapsing is... That was one of the funniest <laughs> ones. That that audience didn't stop laughing for ages and scared the life out of me so that every time I approached that bed, I can tell you, I was always cautious and put one leg in at a time. I bet. Was it one of you in, like, you, you got in first and then Onslow, or did you both get in together at the same oh, he time? He was usually in bed, if you remember. I was always bringing breakfast up and also... Every time I approached him and everything, he wanted a bacon sandwich. So um, the fun time was when <coughs> I got this other boy and yes, your tried toy boy. to make him jealous and walking past him to try and, and, and make him jealous and everything because I was all done up because Mary had um, 
uh, Rose had helped her get dressed in something sexy, but she didn't know how to wear it and things. And that was very funny because I was used to wearing all this dreadful clothes. And did you know that your toy boy uh, now plays John Major in The Crown? Oh, really? Yeah, Johnny Lee Miller. Oh. And he was married to Angelina Jolie. And very nearly Mrs. Sister Daisy. Oh! (laughs) Do you know, it's so funny because there's so many young boys who have come in and been working or uh, ASMing doing a part in different things I've been in, and they've all come up. I remember Derek Folds, um, you know, he was the sort yes. of uh, uh, young student actor at Worthing when I was going over there to do a part in there. And uh, I, and now he's, he's brilliant, he's absolutely brilliant. Amy Claridge asked what I think is a fantastic question, and I think, I think we all really know deep down the answer to this. Who do you think was happiest with their lot in life, Hyacinth or Daisy? I think Daisy was. Yeah. I think Daisy was perfectly happy because she'd got her family around her and she could do anything she wanted and she didn't have to clean the kitchen if she didn't want to. <laughs> and she didn't. <laughs> and she could throw all her stuff on the floor if she wanted to. She wasn't going to get into trouble with Onslow. She'd like him to be not um, when she was trying to make a pass at him. Um, perhaps he'd give up watching television for a bit, you know. But uh, uh, no, I think she was actually. Your your speaking voice now, and indeed your real speaking voice, of course, is a beautiful voice with an RP accent. Can you still do the Daisy voice? Oh yeah. If we were to if we were to give you the line, stop shouting, Hyacinth. Can you still say it? Oh, stop shouting, Hyacinth. <laughs> You played Miss Sister Daisy for every single episode of Keeping Up Appearances. And all these years later, Keeping Up Appearances still brings so much happiness. To to so many people. To so many of us. Oh, I'm so thrilled. I I go to bed most nights watching you on television because it (laughs) doesn't matter what kind of bad day I've had. If I put an episode of Keeping Up Appearances on... Life feels a bit better. You laugh. It's fun. You have brought so much happiness to so many oh, of us. I'm so glad. And I, I just, on behalf of all Keeping Up Appearances fans, we want to thank you so much. Thank oh, you. Bless their hearts. I mean, I just think I'm so thrilled about that. And when I've had these letters from people right across the world, actually, and they're just lovely letters, and they, I'm thrilled it's making people happy. And it always will. I think it always will because um, I like to watch something funny before I go to sleep because I don't want weird dreams. And um, the one thing I watch is Would I Lie to You? Yes, Where they're all so naughty together. And the moment they're naughty, I'm nearly falling on the floor. And I watch that before I go to bed with Coco. And it's lovely because then you sleep. You don't worry about anything. I can't watch anything that's sort of people being cruel and murdering each other and things. I can't watch that at night because I don't want dreams, bad yeah. dreams. Do you still watch Keeping Up Appearances if you see an oh, episode? Yes, I see it. I have a little look and see which one's on. And um, I was very proud of that one because what I was thrilled about is that we were representing an awful lot of people and especially now, even more so now, when so many countries are having such problems 
with um, money and uh, and everything and heating and hurricanes and things like that. And I think, well, if you can get to a telly, at least you can have a laugh and see what we're doing. And, and it'll at least make you laugh and keep you happy. And I think anything that can make people happy in these terrible situations we're all in in the world is good. Thank you so much for being our Daisy. And thank you so much for talking to us today. Ah. Judy Cornwell, thank you very much. Thank you.